This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. I think you can call it a trend at this point, right? We know what's happening provincially. Jason Kenney um, losing his... Uh, leadership review, 51.4% backing his uh, leadership. He says that's not enough for him to carry on. So he's out, kind of, sort of. He's he's announced his intention to resign. He'll stay on until they've picked a new leader, but he's on the way out, at least. Um, federal conservatives decided they needed to have a leadership review not long ago, or Aaron O'Toole had to leave. They need a new leader. That's expected to happen in September. And then we get news this morning that after the big party for the Queen wrapped up uh, last night, Conservative MPs, as soon as they got back to work this morning, said, uh, we're going to have a confidence vote in our leader, Boris Johnson. So he's facing that later today. Uh, Let's see, right now it's, what, about 5.30 in London. Uh, The vote is supposed to be, well, it's probably happening as we speak, I would guess, but we're not expecting to get results until 9 o'clock London time, 2 o'clock our time. So interesting. That's a trend, though, isn't it? I think it's a trend if you're talking about uh, provincially, federally, and uh, over in the UK as well, conservatives having these existential discussions about what they are and where they're going and who should be leading them. So here in our country, of course, the deadline has passed. That happened last week. Uh, The memberships have been sold. Now the home stretch begins for federal conservatives. They try and decide a new leader by September. And, you know, we've had a lot of discussions about what's going on with conservatives because it really is, it seems like, um, uh, a point of inflection where which way are we going to go? What are we going to be? Are there going to be different factions? Are we going to break off? Are we going to come to a whole bunch of discussions? So I'm really looking forward to this conversation. We're going to chat with Jake Enright, who is Vice President of Public Affairs and Communications for Syntax Strategic. He is also the former Deputy Chief of Staff to Aaron O'Toole and served as a senior advisor for previous Conservative leaders. So he has a front row seat to a lot of what we're talking about. Um, Jack, thanks so much for your time. Is it Jack or Jake? It's Jake, right? Jake, you got it. Apologies. Yeah, okay. Uh, okay. Thanks so much for joining us. Um, thanks for having me. This, this, this topic, it, it really is fascinating, and, and I'm looking forward to hearing from you with your perspective on this, the leadership race primarily in our country, intimately involved in the leadership of Aaron O'Toole, of course, which, as we know, ended rather messily. Um, the current campaign mm-hmm. has had its messy moments. As someone mm-hmm. with this kind of inner understanding, front row seat, close involvement with the conservative movement in our country, where, what's your assessment of where this party is right now and what they're facing this summer? I think the party is not as divided as some would have us to believe. As I wrote in the National Post last week, no one in the Conservative Party really disagrees about what the core beliefs of the party are. What the disagreement is about is how to build a national coalition around those core beliefs. And yes, those are very, very divisive conversations and very, very contentious ones. But it doesn't, the current division, the current conversation doesn't strike to the core of the party and its belief system which I think is positive, and I think it's positive in terms of the ability for the party to move forward in a united uh, fashion to uh, present itself as a governing alternative to the Liberal Party of Canada. Um, 
You mentioned the piece that you wrote for Post Media. In that piece, you sort of break it down in a few different points, which is really interesting. The first point I find fascinating, because whenever I have guests like yourself that come on, uh, I, the, the question I ask is, how does this develop? Where does it come from? The chicken or the egg discussion, really, in terms of, is it politicians who, who stoke the fires of what I see as very divisive and populist politics, and then the voters latch on to what they're saying? Or is it the opposite, that we see society um, pushing us in that direction and leaders recognize an opportunity? What's your thought on where conservatives fall in that discussion? It's certainly society right now, and the reason for that is social media. Um, you know, I, I first started in a senior position as Ronna, you know, Ronna Ambrose's press secretary when she was interim leader. I remember sitting on the side of a highway uh, the morning after Donald Trump was elected president, looking at her saying, you know, what the heck are we going to say about this? And since that time, you've seen uh, social media really take off in terms of the influence uh, it has on particularly conservative politicians. Yeah. We were looking to our liberal colleagues in terms of understanding, utilizing, and monitoring social media. So perhaps, and this is an optimistic opinion, perhaps we're not too, uh, perhaps we're kind of in the same place that the liberals may have been in several years ago in terms of learning how to uh, work with social media and not let it uh, inflame one's sense of uh, where the public's mood is at. Um, we can also fall into this trap, politicians fall into this trap at the constituency level, right? Suddenly, 10 calls into a constituency office is portrayed as 100 calls uh, in a meeting in Ottawa. It happens quite frequently, and it's not dissimilar to what we're seeing uh, with social media in terms of the role it plays in influencing politicians and the crises or lack of crises that they perceive taking place in society. Yeah, I, you're right, it, it, and it's it's pervasive. It's everywhere. It, it's really, really tough to get away from. Um the other question that you asked is sort of the leader, right? You know, do we um, have a leader who will focus on electability? It compromises what it comes down to in a lot of ways, I think, Jake. You know, are mm-hmm. you going to hold hard and fast to some of the, um, I don't know, I guess we could call it positions that mm-hmm. make it harder to get elected as a conservative? Or are you willing to set those aside in the interest of compromise and being more palatable to a wider swath of Canadians, right? Yeah, and I think what uh, what I believe after some reflection since I've left federal politics is that uh, the compromises or, you know, the betrayal of core principles as they're being perceived has never really been a betrayal of the core beliefs as stipulated by the Conservative Party of Canada. Those have still been adhered to, and the compromises actually come uh, in terms of how we... Uh, portray and, and view society very much like in the south uh, you know conservative politicians even politicians other parties they're divided uh, into two categories they're divided between the people who want their ideology to reflect society and reality writ large and the people who want society and reality to reflect their ideology and so i think that's where the major fault point is in terms of deciding what do we compromise on and what do we not? And certainly the carbon tax would fit firmly into that uh, hypothesis. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute. And available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. 
No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. It's like you say, though, in some cases, um, the willingness to compromise is a fatal flaw in, in the eyes of some conservative voters. You cannot be willing to compromise on some of these real hot-button issues. Um, and as a leader, somebody who wants to be leader, that's a major, major challenge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think the first step to overcoming it is understanding why there's a lack of willingness to compromise. Certainly, as I wrote in the piece, the Conservative Party is becoming a party dominated by single-issue voters. And let's take and continue with the example of the carbon tax. The first means of getting compromise on the carbon tax is really fundamentally understanding how much that tax has hurt people and how much it has driven up the the cost of everyday things like groceries and gasoline. And yeah, that might be a small portion of the overall uh, cost that we see driving being driven up uh, writ large. But for people who are living paycheck to paycheck, that minimal uh, increase is meaningful. And it's especially meaningful when they know full well that a politician could easily, with a stroke of a pen, give them a small but slight, but albeit meaningful break. And the third point that you talk about in the piece, and uh, it's such a great point, is federalism. How, how much involvement does the Conservative Party want to have in provincial issues? Do you want to be hands-off? Do you want to be involved? And that seems to be another struggle that it, it, it's a moving target at best, right? Yeah, and it's really tough in, in terms of the, how that issue is is plaguing the conservative movement. And, you know, elected leaders and, and uh, leaders trying to win uh, and, and uh, politicians trying to win leadership races in the United States have been doing this for a long time, focusing on local issues and talking about the role that the federal or state government is going to play in fixing that local issue in order to capture an audience. It, it's a tried, tested, and true method for winning, especially leadership races. The challenge that conservatives have run into in the last few years is that the issue with how government was being run at the local and regional level had to do with COVID-19, which was an extremely contentious issue, as you know full well. And the problem was for conservatives was that by condemning or criticizing those policies, often they were being pitted against their provincial uh, brothers. So Mm -hmm. it would have required criticizing Jason Kenney. It would have required criticizing Doug Ford. And that was a a Rubicon that just uh, Aaron O'Toole, at least in my experience with him, was not willing to cross uh, for any perceived gain. Uh, Ultimately, whether right or wrong, at the end of the day, when conservatives are fighting one another, uh, we're losing. And that was something that was just not going to happen. And it was one of the most divisive and contentious issues within the Conservative Caucus. And I would imagine, in terms of what uh, what uh, regulations are still in place, to this day would be a contentious issue uh, for Candace Bergen, who would get some pressure to ramp up her criticism of those policies at the local and regional level. So here we are, uh, the summer of deciding who the next leader of the Conservative Party will be, um, trying to determine what the party will be. What are you watching for, and what do you anticipate as we go through this leadership campaign? 
what I'm watching for is how quickly, uh, and it's, it's a post-leadership issue, how quickly uh, Mr. Poliev uh, can pivot and uh, return to uh, a message that appeals more to that accessible voter base. The biggest challenge and that he will have, and, and the reason I say Mr. Poliev is because I think he's going to win, and he's uh, probably handily going to win, uh, the challenge he has, and it was one that was present when I worked in the opposition leader's office, is that through COVID-19 policies, um, the accessible voter of the Conservative Party was antagonized against the voter base of the Conservative Party of Canada. So what do I mean by that? Well, things like lockdowns and restrictions were supported by the people the Conservative Party needed to reach out to to form government, but opposed by the base that makes up the machine of the party in terms of its fundraising and uh, and volunteer basis. That was incredibly problematic uh, down the stretch uh, for Mr. O'Toole and for our office. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be interesting to see how quickly Mr. Poliev changes gears to try and make sure that he doesn't... Um, he doesn't alienate that accessible voter right. pool that he needs in order to win the next election. Well, I think that's the fine line that he's going to try and have to walk here, Jake, is because you're right. I mean, his his targeted attacks against, you know, other conservatives have been very sharp. I mean, they've been pretty pretty heavy attacks, uh, and you're, he's going to have to pivot and try and represent all conservatives, which will be fascinating to watch as this goes on. Yeah, look, I mean, I don't think the, the attacks and the nastiness of the... Uh, of the leadership race will play much of a role going forward. I'm happy to be debated on this. I'm sure some of the listeners might disagree, but I don't believe Canadians have a very long political memory. Um, You know, we've elected a prime minister who uh, dressed up in blackface now twice, Uh, Doug Ford, who just won in, um, in Ontario uh, was heavily criticized and was, uh, was deeply unpopular before the pandemic for some of the, harsh uh, and and seemingly um, ideological things that he tried to enact before in his first year as premier. It would have been a great case study to see uh, what the uh, the folks in Alberta thought of Jason Kenney if he were to face them in re-election. Uh, this, you know, I think that there's a lot of examples of people having really short memories, and I think Mr. Paulie will get the benefit of the doubt, uh, not only among conservatives, but the general public in terms of their forgiveness of the more nastier and harsher tone that the leadership race is taking. And it will be fascinating to watch. Jake, thanks so much for your time today. I appreciate you joining us. Thank you. That is Jake Enright. Uh, Jake is the Vice President of Public Affairs and Communications for Syntax Strategic, also former Deputy Chief of Staff to Aaron O'Toole and Senior Advisor for previous Conservative leaders. And I think he's right. It'll be interesting to see. I I don't know. It's the same old discussion we've been having for a very, very long time, right? Um, He makes a good point about Doug Ford, though. Uh, Doug Ford... um, at, at, <laughs> there were times uh, in Doug Ford's first term as Premier of Ontario where I, I don't think a lot of people thought he had a hope in hell of winning a second term, even being allowed to take the Conservative Party into the second term. There was, I mean, it was a disaster at times. You know how it went. Um, but he did. He, he made it through, went into an election just last week and won in a big, big way, like massive, a huge, huge win for Conservatives in Ontario. So there was some good news there. Um, And then you've got the internal division happening here in Alberta and uh, at the federal level. So lots going on, as always.